Welcome to the Point is to Serve podcast series. We exist to encourage you towards a vibrant and active faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about the Point is to Serve ministry, visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. Now let's join Pastor Alan Kiesbo for this week's teaching. For each of us, if we were to look at the coffee question about how was 2019, I think our congregation represents a diverse response. For some of us, it's been a grand adventure. For some of it, it has been a year of difficulty. This morning, as we kind of wrap up Christmas and kind of stand between 2019 and 2020, I would love to invite us into a search, a search that would, in a sense, be transformative to our spirits. In one of the Winnie the Pooh books, Piglet and Pooh are walking along, and the piglet asks Pooh, What's the first thing you think of this when you wake up in the morning? And Winnie the Pooh ponders it. Says, I think, what's for breakfast? <laughs> Winnie the Pooh thinking maybe that wasn't the ultimate answer. Asked Piglet, what do you think about? And Piglet says, I think what great and wonderful things are going to happen today. As we enter 2020, I hope that we enter it in a search the great and wonderful things that God has in store for us. In college, about 10 years ago, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, that is a laugh. And when I was in college, but I can still remember, which is a bonus round for me, uh, we in the curriculum required to take a philosophy class, and to be honest, I was a little nervous about a philosophy class, and my professor lived up to every expectation. We had a window in the front of the classroom, and he would spend most of his class, we were there, talking like this. (laughs) We very seldom saw him at the front of his face because he was somewhere out in the distance. I remember that about the class, and I also remember the main text that we had uh, to read, and that was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. It is a powerful book that comes out of, in a sense, the worst of experiences. Viktor Frankl grew up in Vienna, was educated as a medical doctor, then uh, went into psychiatry, was working on a manuscript of a book that would later become Man's Search for Meaning. And when he was ripped away from his home along with his mother and father, his sister and his wife, he would end up going to three different German camps. The last one for three years he'd be in Auschwitz where he would see his mother die, he would see his father die, he would see his wife die. Only he and his sister would survive. Coming into that terrible circumstance with a psychiatry degree, he was able to, in a sense, step out of his experience and ask the question, why are some people surviving and why are some people dying? And in that process of stepping away from himself in a sense, removing himself from the misery and watching other people, he learned much about what it is that helps people survive. In a word, it'd be the word meaning. He writes this, Every day, every hour, offered the opportunity to make a decision, a decision which determined whether you would or would not submit to those powers which threatened to rob you of your very self, your inner freedom, which determined whether or not he would become a plaything of circumstance, 
renouncing freedom and dignity to become molded into the form of the typical inmate. Victor Frankl said, We have freedom in every situation to, in a sense, find meaning. And if we can do this, we will be survivors. We will be people who can find the search of adventure and immerse ourselves in it. Christmas has come, and now the time to look for the impact of this wonderful gift is upon us, to launch a search for meaning that is grounded in the birth of a Savior, our Savior Jesus Christ. This morning I want to combine two characters or parties of people who are in the Christmas story. One we seldom don't think about, and I'd really like to contrast them in the sense of how did the birth create in them a search, and what kind of search was it? So we're going to look at the wise men, and we're going to kind of compare their experience that of Herod, King Herod. The text we're going to look at this morning is out of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and I need to apologize for the video. If they were as good as leading, following the star as they thought, they would have ended up at Jesus' house, not the manger. But I couldn't redo the video, so here we are, Matthew 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leader, leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler has come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. He went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother and father. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Christmas has come, and we can engage in a nativity-inspired search for meaning. But our, our response to that invitation can be, we can be prepared for it, or we can be surprised by it. The wise men were anticipating the birth of a Messiah. Most Bible scholars believe that one of the amazing things that came out of a terrible situation, when Jerusalem and Israel and Judah were destroyed, the wealthy and the ruling people were taken away from home and taken away to, to the nations in the north and in the east. They took with them their oral traditions. They took with them bits and pieces of Scripture. Primarily, the Scripture had been lost and would be found later when the exiles returned, but they still took with them what they had. 
And that became not only part of their story, but as they were immersed in foreign cultures, that also got into that culture. And most uh, Bible scholars believe that these wise men were people who had come into contact with the story of the Jews, the story of this group of people who were called God's chosen people. And it created interest in them. So they had studied what they could find from the Jewish scriptures and heard that a Messiah would be born. They didn't know what it meant. But when the star rose, and some astronomers believe it was actually a combination of three stars that came together to to make that star awfully bright. And when they saw that miraculous thing in the heavens, they were prepared. They didn't know when. They might have been surprised that it had finally come. But by learning from the Jewish people they had contact with, they were ready. And when something would change, when the, when the heavens would tell them something, or, or when the times would shift, they, in a sense, were ready to go. And all they had to do was start the journey that they had been preparing for. They had been watching. And their search for meaning took them away from, interesting enough, their source of power. They were probably a ruling group of people, with tremendous political and social power, and they chose to leave that source of power and to look for this Messiah from a different religion and a different group of people. This source of meaning would be raised in obscurity, would die as a criminal, but would start a movement that would reach the world. And these strangers from another land said, we are going to search for that. Herod, on the other hand, although Jewish, Although surrounded with the Jewish religion, when he hears about a ruler of the Jews, is not a happy camper. And when Herod's not happy, the whole city is not happy. Herod was a ruthless person with an immense ego. And when you disturbed Herod, he wanted to make sure you were disturbed as well. And as he responds to this news that there's a new king of the Jews born, he responds by being possessive of his power. And asking the question, what can I do to make sure that nobody steals my power? I am the king of the Jews. I do not want anything to happen. Herod was terrified, it says. And Herod, not Herod alone, but Jerusalem as well. And so he committed to terrible atrocities to protect his power. He would not search for meaning. He'd search to protect his kingdom, his rule his life. We should never be surprised when God breaks into our world. Maybe the timing might surprise you, but that there is a God out there who wants to get your attention should never surprise you. Our search for meaning invites us to live lives that respond to the message of the nativity, responds to this Savior who came to be with us, to walk with us. And to people who can find our search for meaning to be something that brings us great joy and depth. Victor Frankl writes, in the midst of his suffering, everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. To choose one's own way. He would be in this prison camp. One of his jobs was to digging a tunnel for an underground train that would travel. And as he was working in those terrible, frozen situations, surrounded by the grayness of everything, he learned the ability to say, I have a choice on how I respond to those things. Our search for meaning is to understand that God has empowered us through the power of the Spirit in us 
to come into every context and say, we are more than conquerors because we know this Savior who came at Bethlehem. As Christmas comes, we can be seeking or resisting. The wise men were willing to step into a mystery. They knew clues. They had ideas. But where and when or how or what they would see, they had no idea. But they said, we know that there is something out there worth searching for. And we will pursue it. They knew so little what they were heading into, and yet they would follow the star and find Jesus in a house. Herod, however, responds by manipulating, saying to the wise men who come with some, some piece of information uh, that uh, there's a new king of the Jews. So he brings them in and says, tell me what you've learned, because my heart is soft to this God. And his desires was to destroy the, this new king of the Jews. We have a response. We can join in the seeking that Christmas has stirred our hearts. That how the nativity scene unfolds with the hearing of the shepherds being told by angels of of Joseph and and Mary, simple people who are part of this redeeming story. That should encourage us to be seeking this sense of saying, God, where in this ongoing redemption story do we belong? What is our part? Or we can resist and say, my life is fine. I don't need anything more from you. I'm in control of my life. And I'm going to resist the story of the baby that was born in Bethlehem so that it doesn't really change me. Frederick, uh, Victor Frankl, in his uh, book, says this, Don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you are going to miss it. For success like happiness cannot be pursued. It is ensued. It only does so as the unintended side effect of one's dedication to a cause greater than oneself. As Jesus lived and walked, he talked about the abundant life, the full life. And what we learned from this whole story of this baby born in Bethlehem would come and suffer for us. That he invites us into a mission and it isn't our own happiness or success. He invites us into action that we would live out this message. We can be expectant or defensive. And if you're following the bulletin, I did change the word after the bulletin was printed. We can expect something from the manger that is transformative to ourselves. The wise men start their journey with the gifts in tow. They don't go and say, well, let's check it out. Let's see how it is. If it's really that big a deal, then maybe we'll participate. And, and, if, and if we find it's really something, we can go to the local truck stop and get some of those nifty evergreen air fresheners. Don't we all need an air freshener when the baby's in the neighborhood? No, they, they left their resources, their community, with everything they needed to make a worthy gift to the king. We don't have to be people who wonder if God's going to fulfill his promise to us, his presence in our lives. We don't have to be people who say, I don't know. It's really, is this that big a deal? We can be people who expect that God is on our side. He is for us and with us. Herod, on the other hand, is defensive. He's enraged. He's cruel. He orders the murder of children in Bethlehem below the age of two. That wasn't just the children of Bethlehem. A Roman historian writes this, When it was heard that as a part of the slaughter of boys up to two years old, 
King Herod of the Jews had ordered his own son to be killed because it was said about him, it is better to be Herod's pig than his son. That was a reference to how Herod, as a Jew, would not kill a pig, but had his three own sons killed to protect his throne. Herod was defensive when he heard the word that the king of the Jews had been born. He was set against the work of God. And as we understand that the Son of God has come to us, we are people who can enter into this with great joy. King Herod, as history tells us, would never find that full life. He was a builder. He was well-known in the, in the kingdom, but he was greatly hated, and he would eventually take his own life. Who do we want to be in the story? Do we want to be the wise men who are on a search for something great or King Herod who reject? In his book, Frankel says there's something that brings meaning to each of us. Having a meaningful life task. He says in our search for meaning, if, if we want to get beyond the fray, we have to say our life is moving towards a purpose. He would say the second thing, we love unselfishly. That we exist not to be self-serving, but those around us would be loved and supported and transformed by our love. He says also we would suffer bravely. Jesus says it this way in Mark 34. In calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of good news, you will save it. The words of Viktor Frankl ring true in the invitation of Jesus Christ. That is, God gave his son to come and be with us, to live in the neighborhood, as John, Gospel of John says. We are invited to say, our life needs to transcend our own life. We need to be people who look ahead and say, my life has meaning because I'm connected to eternity. I am partnering with this babe in Bethlehem that I might be a person who lives missionally. That like Jesus Christ lived all, loved all people and cared for them as, as he could through doing miracles, but ultimately dying and then being risen from the dead for all of us. We see in this a person who loved unselfishly and suffered bravely. In 2019, we will have choices to be made. We will choose to just be formed by the, by the environment we live in. As Viktor Frankl was, was, saw people in the death camps who were formed by their circumstances. Or we can be people who say, it does not really matter how the circumstances play out. Because I know who I am. And is anchored in this child born at Bethlehem. It is anchored by the Savior who has come for us. May 2020 be a search not just for meaning, but this, this adventure that transforms us. May not just stop with us, but may it be transforming in the community in which we live. Let me pray for us. Dear God, thank you so much that you are a God who loves us. God, as we think about this Christmas story and two characters that emerge at the end of the story. 
Wise men who set aside all of their desires and all of their plans for the sake of searching for something greater. God, may we be like those wise men who, who search for meaning in the manger of Bethlehem. And God, when we find it, may we be willing to share the good news with those around us. God, each of us has a little bit of heritage in us that wants to hold on to our lives. God, may we give it away for something greater. So lead us and guide us. Thank you for 2019 and what we've learned in it. But God, may we continue to be transformed into your likeness in 2020. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship together. I stand up. Thanks for tuning in to the Point is to Serve podcast series. For more information about pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ or information about the Point is to Serve ministry, visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. Thank you and God bless.